0: Welcome to the Nigel Lee Archive, brought to you by Living Leadership, where every fortnight we share with you a sermon from the late Nigel Lee to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Here's today's message. Anyway, let me, I was talking about um, the way in which John and Jenny are thought of in um, college, and um, Apparently, although they were only there seven weeks, John has already given them a whole series of architectural plans for the development of the college, um, which they're very grateful for. And they said, uh, Jenny is such a special person, so sweet and loving, and, and uh, you, you really made an impact. And um, it was great on this sort of Thanksgiving and graduation day that they were having yesterday um, to hear, hear you so well spoken of. We're actually starting today a, a short three-part series from John's Gospel, chapter 17. Um, it's going to come up on the screen in a moment. Um, I think all the Bibles have been given out. Uh, what we're going to be looking at is on page 1085 1085 um, in the church Bible. It is the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus in the Scriptures. We know he used to pray. used to go out early in the mornings to pray. Sometimes he would just tiptoe away from the disciples and the crowds in the evenings and perhaps go up into the hills and pray. Sometimes take days apart just for prayer, but we haven't a clue what he talked about because it wasn't recorded anywhere. But this prayer, the whole of John chapter 17, was prayed not off alone somewhere, but deliberately in the hearing of the disciples so that it could be recorded uh, for our learning. And as we listen to the Lord Jesus praying this week, next week, and the week after, there's a real sense in which we're on holy ground. It's very rare in Scripture to hear one member of the Trinity talking to another and talking about us. So let's read John seven, Well, actually, let's start with the last verse of John 16. The last verse of John 16, and then the first eight verses of John 17. I have told you these things, all that he's been talking about in the previous chapters, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. Although this um, series on John 17 was planned uh, many, many months ago, Um, and actually before today's uh, focus was arranged, I hope it will also speak into um, this occasion. Jesus has been talking to the disciples for the previous four chapters, 13 to 16, and he's been explaining to them how he's going on ahead to prepare a place for them while their journey will keep them a little longer here on earth before they will eventually um, be with him. But over the course of those chapters, he explains to them that he has made every possible provision for the journey that they will have to undertake while he uh, goes back to his father in glory. He will explain, he has explained in these chapters, um, the promise of the Holy Spirit as their counselor and teacher every step of the way along that journey. The assurance that their father will listen to their prayers Eagerly and answer them. Wonderful assurance. He's given them a warning of persecution. He actually explains why it is that the world they will discover will hate them so much and will seek to undermine and assault and damage them out of its hatred. But he has explained it's all under his control. They needn't be afraid, although that is going to happen. He explains, you remember in chapter 15, the key principles for bearing fruit in that analogy of the vine. But by the end of chapter 16, all this teaching stops, and Jesus turns to prayer. He's been talking to the disciples about his father, about his father's house, about his father's garden, about his father's gifts, about his father's enemies, and so on. But now he stops and begins to talk to the father about the disciples. And this is actually just as important a provision for us. In fact, John 17 is an extended example of what Jesus is now doing. Today, uh, when John was sensing that first call uh, in the coming months of adjustment to Mozambique and so on, this wonderful ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ praying for us, interceding for us, and seeing us carefully through to the end of our journey. This is so vital. The disciples had sat through three years of his teaching, but at the first sight of blood, at the first sight of some soldiers who meant business, they ran away. And Jesus, the great shepherd, had to go and begin to gather their hearts back again. And one of the critical things he did in bringing them back together was to remind them that he had, in fact, been praying for them. It's something that we need to come back to again and again this reminder that whatever we get into and how hairy it looks like and how frightening, the Lord has, in fact, already seen us into it and the outcomes and been praying around the key issues that come up as we walk this longer journey. Now, in verses 1 to 8, which is really the focus of of our study this morning, Jesus is beginning. By reporting back to his father on the ministry that he has uh, been given. He says in verse 4, I've completed the work that you gave me to do. It's done. He said this privately to the father Father, I've done it. And the very next day, he would be put to death on the cross just outside Jerusalem. And then he would declare to the whole world, It's finished. That work he was given to do has been done. My reason for coming to earth is now fulfilled and completed. It's over. Now, what had been the work that he'd been sent to do? It would culminate, as we know, and as we remind you very often, in his unique death on the cross for our sin. But verse 2 speaks very specifically in which he says that he has imparted, he'd been given the authority and the commission to impart eternal life to a significant chosen few. He says, I brought you glory on earth, Father, by... Doing my job and bringing it to completion. Now, how had he imparted eternal life to those people? He reports back and he says, I've done precisely two things. But I think it's first important for us to see what he says about eternal life. Eternal life isn't something that starts when we die. You live your mortal life, and then there's the end of that, and then you begin your eternal life, so that it's something now you have to wait for, getting increasingly decrepit as you you wait for the day when eternal life will suddenly spring up and begin. It isn't that. No, Jesus defines it as simply knowing God now, in the present. A whole different quality of life now that comes through knowing the one that loves us, that has made us, who whom we can talk to, who changes us. That is the beginnings of eternal life. And so when we die, whenever that may be, we, we may change location. But the one that we know continues with us. We simply go on knowing him in another way and in another place. There in verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father. These ones that you've given me, that they may really know you. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, how has Jesus given eternal life to his disciples? These two things. Firstly, he says in verse 6, I have revealed you, Father. Or literally, if you've got one of these little Bibles that has a tiny footnote, if you've got the eyesight to see it, uh, you can see right at the bottom, it says, I have revealed your name. That's what it actually means uh, in the Bible, the name very often, and particularly with God, conveys character. It conveys his nature. I have revealed what you're like. I have shown them something of your glory, Father. I have revealed you. One day, Jesus went into the temple. And the whole place, its activities, its relationships, its motive, had become gradually over the years a massive misrepresentation of God Himself. That temple had become like a meat market where God was represented somehow as out to profit from people yes god will bless you if you pay god has a heart that according to this place and what it said was harsh and unmerciful to gentiles and strangers he had no time for children he would exclude those with disabilities this was the picture that was present, presented by that place the god of this temple had become a merciless debt collector who would come banging on your door and that had no interest in you personally you never met a debt collector that had a great interest in in the people that he was collecting debts from he wants the money and gone and jesus walked into that place one day and he went ballistic he took a whip began to shout that god is not a debt collector he is a debt payer, your debt with the Father in heaven. He has come to pay to the last penny. you got everything the wrong way around, he starts shouting. And so he goes around upheaving their tables and the money is scattering off. Go on, enjoy it, take it, it's free, it doesn't belong to these people anyway. And cracking a whip behind the bullocks and they go charging off down into the, a wonderful thing to film. And the pigeons going flap, flap, flap. And you know how pigeons, when they're setting off, they bang their wings at the bottom as well as the, the top. You get this clap, 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 before they sort of start to go more slowly. African pigeons, anyway. Salvation is a gift. God is not out for all he can get. God is out for all he can give. What Jesus was doing was revealing God's nature. In God's own home. What is God like? This is to be a house of prayer, Jesus was going around saying. My Father in heaven wants to bless the needy and to hear the cries of the desperate and to meet their need. He doesn't drive people away because they can't pay. He is a God of compassion and love and care and generosity. Another day, Jesus went and stood by the tomb and Mary and Martha were there red-eyed with their, with their weeping and their not understanding and gathered around them not crowding them but identified with them was a whole circle of friends who'd come to cry with them and share their pain and Jesus stood there and looked at this and his eyes just filled up with tears and we get that moment In John 11, where the tears are running down the cheek of the Son of God. This is what death does. It breaks people's hearts. It it tears families to pieces. This is the result of sin getting into the human race. So that it brings our lives to an end. But one day, there will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. There won't be any more, says Scripture, because God has a plan. Jesus knew that. And he wept even though he knew what he was going to do in a moment or two for Lazarus. And he, he called him out of the grave and raised him up. What is God like? His compassion, his feelings, his love and his power. You see, Jesus revealing the character of God. One night, Jesus wasn't there. And the disciples were caught in a terrible storm on Galilee. And it was the middle of the night, and it was dark, and they were soaked and cold and making very, very little progress. for the wind was dead against them. They felt miserable and tired and battered and unsure of what was going to happen, actually, to them. And facing backwards as they pulled on those oars, trying to cross that lake in in the middle of the night, they saw a figure approaching them, walking through the tops of the waves, against the wind, and actually overtaking them. And he came to them and rescued them. What is God like? You see, never get very far away from the Gospels, because every story that you you look at of Jesus speaking and acting and demonstrating what he's like, it is the character of God. And there that night they saw something more about a God who who watches over them, who cares for them and, and loves them, and will walk out onto the middle of a lake in order to be with them. That's God. May, may the Lord help all of us to reveal more of the wonderful nature of God, his holiness, his love for children, his self-control, his grace under pressure. The life of Jesus manifest in us. As you saw the pictures, as you saw John and Jenny up here, as we sang that little song about may may the wind blow in our own sails, I wonder how many of you just quietly in your heart thought, well, is this all my life is going to mean and add up to? Or would the Lord ever lead me, open doors for me, into something suddenly of greater usefulness and mission impact May the wind blow in our sails and may we reveal not our selfishness and not our stubbornness and not our hard heartedness, but more of Jesus, who is the character of God. So, Father, says Jesus, number one, I have revealed your character. And number two, I've given them the words that you gave me. See, this has been the secret of Jesus' impact. He'd done these two things I have manifested your character and I've given them your words. Everything Jesus said, everything came from the Father. His questions, his parables, his illustrations, his metaphors, his ideas, his teaching, everything, his assurances, his promises, it all came from the Father. And as people heard the authentic word of the Father on the lips of Jesus, and as they hear it then heard it on the lips of the disciples, and as they hear it on our lips, these same things happen. They know where we come from, and they know who sent us. And they believe. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. The mission of Jesus, within hours, his earthly ministry, within hours of ending, uh, was accomplished in doing these two things successfully manifesting God's character, and giving people God's words. May you do the same, and may we all. One last thing before time is up. Jesus is praying at the start of this prayer about how he has glorified the Father by completing his work on earth, and now he asks the Father to glorify him, and he's praying for the resurrection and the ascension for his resurrection from the grave and his ascension back to glory. What would people have thought, do you think, after the guilty verdict was pronounced and all that public mockery and then the cross itself, if Jesus had remained unvindicated? He's still in the grave. What would people have said? <laughs> there you see, we told you. Another religious dreamer, full of fancy ideas about his father in heaven, but he's gone the way of all the rest. There really isn't anything there. It's just fiction. And so what the Lord Jesus did, having reported back on what he has done for these last few years, he now says, Father, I entrust my reputation into your hands. And as we live our lives, and as people don't understand and challenge us and ask the questions, maybe to reveal the true character of God, the Holy One, the Loving One, in the way we live and behave and and react. Secondly, give time to studying and storing up and sharing God's own word. And thirdly, May we leave the question of what others think of us to a later glorious day. Our time is gone. We're going to um, not have musicians, the closing song. Great song, but we won't have it. We're going to uh, end with prayer. Uh, It's been a a morning of, of challenge and reflection and feeding. Uh, and I think it's good just now to all of us bow our heads and uh, seize that which is for us. Satan does this uh, all over the country. He, he just picks the seed off people's hearts. And so we want to pray it in and ask the Lord to challenge and move us, encourage and teach us uh, through all that we've seen and heard this morning. Father God, we thank you For your word, and we thank you for your servants. We thank you for the possibility of fellowship in the Holy Spirit in further uh, extensions of, of mission and obedience. We pray again for John and Jenny, but not just for them, for all of ourselves, that we might live out more and more your character on earth. That even when the rose gets stamped on, the fragrance lingers on the air. Lord, may your word be studied and stored and shared in our hearts. Blow wind in our sails, all of us, that you can use us more and more to your glory. And may the question of our name and reputation be far less important to us than yours. Lord, we look to you one day for that resurrection and ascension ourselves. To be with you forever at the end of our journey we give you our thanks we give you our lives we give you our praise for you've given everything to us for your name's sake amen thank you for joining us today The Nigel Lee Archive is brought to you as a podcast by Living Leadership. For more information on the Nigel Lee Archive or Living Leadership's other ministries, please visit www.livingleadership.org. God bless.